0: Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that he is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast. I hope you've had a great week, and I hope as your family is preparing to celebrate Christmas, you take some time to just be still get with Jesus and just get in his word, read the Christmas story and reflect on all that Jesus Christ has accomplished and offered to us because he was born, but then looking forward 33 years and because he died upon the cross and rose again three days later to offer us the free gift of eternal life. And so in this season, it's always good to just take a step back to take a break and just look at the Christmas story with fresh eyes and come to this story expecting Jesus to teach us something. And so that's what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to take a break from Psalms. And so the next episode will be in Psalm 5. But right now, I just want to go to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and just look at one part of the Christmas story and see how this birth has so much truth in it, has so much prophecy in it, and has so much application for us today. So with that being said, let me read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and then we'll dive into the story. The verses say this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. So I wanna look at this thought on this podcast episode, the miracle of his birth. And so looking at the birth of Jesus, we've done a podcast episode on this, I think last year where we looked at Jesus before his birth, Jesus preexisted, before his birth, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was never created. Jesus has always been, and he is fully God. and So he has always existed eternally with the Father. And so you can go back, I believe it was, uh, the podcast episode is called Jesus' Pre-Existence, and it looks at John chapter 1. So for this episode, we're going to focus on the events surrounding The birth of Jesus, or look at the events that are right before the birth of Jesus and look at him and see some astonishing truths about this man, about this baby in a manger who is Jesus Christ. So I want to look at this. I want to first notice the parents of his birth. Verse 18 begins by telling us that the birth of Jesus was near. So the verse says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child. Of the Holy Ghost. So when you read in verse 18, and really Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, you must understand that it had been a 400 year silent period since God had spoken to his people. So from when Malachi closes his last word of prophecy until the Gospels, Matthew chapter 1, until Jesus burst on the scene, God had not spoken. To his people, there was a prophetic silence. God, prophets were not getting new revelation. No scripture was being written during this time. For 400 years, the people of God did not hear from him. It had been 700 years since Isaiah, the prophet, penned the words that a virgin would conceive, he would be born in Bethlehem, and they would call this child's name Emmanuel. The people were itching. You can almost imagine and put yourself in their shoes as 400 years had passed since God spoke. 700 years had passed since God prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And all of these people were probably on the edge of their seat with anticipation, just waiting for a word from God and sitting and waiting for the birth of Jesus to come to pass. Now Matthew says, The birth of Jesus was on the wise. That means it was near, it was soon, it was very close. And so then in verse 18, we are introduced to the parents of Jesus Christ, Mary and Joseph. Now, Scripture here claims that they were engaged or espoused is the word that the King James used. And so engagement back then was a little different than engagement today. Today, engagements do not hold the weight that they held 2,000 years ago. Today, many people, someone will get down on one knee, propose to a girl, they'll be engaged for a couple of months, then something will happen, they'll break off the engagement. And really, there's no serious consequences with breaking off an engagement. It's just something binding saying, we're going to, in the future, get married. No legal things that must be done to call off an engagement today. You can simply just give the ring back, throw it in the pond or whatever it is, and just call off the engagement. However, 2,000 years ago, to be engaged or espoused was basically the marriage. To call it off would be to get a divorce, and you had to have one of few valid reasons to do so. There were not many valid reasons. And so once they would become engaged, the groom would leave to go back to to prepare a place for him and his new wife, and then a year later or some time would pass, and he would come back to get his wife. So at the point of engagement, they've already had a ceremony. They've already went through the process legally and making a covenant with each other. So legally they were married, but they did not have a house yet. And so the husband would typically go back to his father's land. He would go back to some place near his father's house and build his own section of a house there or build a new house on that land. And once that was completed, could be a year, could be more, could be sooner, he would go back and get his wife. In the Gospel of Matthew, you remember the, uh, the story of the virgins who had their lamps trimmed and burning as they were waiting for the groom to return to receive his bride. And so that period, they're married, they're engaged or espoused is the word, but legally they are married. They're a couple, but they have not yet uh, been together in the marriage bed. But nonetheless, at this point in Matthew chapter 1, they're engaged, they're technically married, but they had not yet moved in together, and so they had not yet been with each other. Hence, she's still a virgin, which is extremely important in the birth of Jesus. So here you have this woman. She's a spouse, she's engaged, but she's not yet lived with her husband, and now she's pregnant. Can you imagine the thoughts that is going on in her head, but also the thoughts that's going on in Joseph's head? So you have Joseph who is not Jesus's biological father. Some scholars refer to him as Jesus's adoptive father. And so can you imagine what he's thinking? This woman I'm married to, I'm engaged to, is now pregnant, and I know the child is not mine. And so it sounds like a very big drama is about to unfold here in Matthew chapter 1. So uh, Joseph had two options, basically. He could publicly shame her and make her a spectacle out of the situation, but the Bible says Joseph was a just man, and so he was not like that. Scripture calls him a righteous man who did not want to make a public display of her, so he had decided he would divorce her privately. That way, no one would know, but then the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and tells him the amazing news that the child she is carrying is the Son of God, the savior of the world, the one that would take away the world's sins. And he, Joseph, is okay with the plan of God because he's a righteous man who trusts in God. So can you imagine, put yourself in the context of Matthew chapter 1, 400 years God has not spoken. 700 years since God said there would be a baby born in Bethlehem. Probably some 4,000 years since Genesis chapter 3 when God first mentioned the gospel that Satan's head would be crushed and Jesus' heel would be bruised. The first mention of the gospel there in Genesis chapter 3. So can you imagine Joseph as the angel of the Lord appears to him and all of his probably, probably anger And being upset at what's going on, then the angel of the Lord says, Hey, Joseph, this is God's plan. This is what God said would happen 700 years ago from the prophet Isaiah. It's coming to pass, Joseph. And so just trust in the plan of God. Can you imagine the excitement? Can you imagine the anticipation that soon, very soon, they would be holding the very Son of God? So first we see the parents of his birth but secondly let's look at the conception of his birth here is the miraculous part of the birth of Jesus Matthew writes in verse 20 and verse 23 here's what he writes verse 20 the last phrase he says for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost verse number 18 the last phrase says she was found with child of the Holy Ghost you see Mary important she was a virgin and that Jesus was conceived not of a human biological father, but of the Holy Spirit. The miracle at the birth of Jesus is the virgin birth. That the Spirit would breathe life into a barren womb and form the Son of God. Now something we know about Jesus is that he was sinless. Repeatedly in Scripture throughout the New Testament, we read of his sinlessness. We read of his purity. We read of his righteousness, where he never one time committed one sin. He was sinless, and in being sinless, he was able to take on him every sin that every person would ever commit and pay for those sins with his sacrifice on the cross. However, the birth of Jesus Christ and his conception raises the question, could Jesus have sinned? And so you type that in on Google, you're going to get hundreds of different answers. You talk to different scholars, they're going to give you different answers on about Jesus' divinity and his humanity. Could he have sinned? But for us to answer this question, we must look at who Jesus is and his true nature. So first it says Jesus is was born, but it says here, of Mary. So Jesus has at least one human part or one human aspect to him. So you've heard it referred to that Jesus is the God-man. And so while he was on earth, he was fully God, but at the same time, he was fully man. So why was Jesus human? So that he could be like us, to save us from our sin. Philippians tells us that he humbled himself to the form of a servant. Scripture tells us that he came not to be ministered to, but to minister. John chapter 1 says that the word, the logos, took on flesh as God and dwelt among us. So why was Jesus human? So that he could feel what we feel. Studying the life of Jesus, we see that he, in fact, had a human nature. And Hebrews gives us insight as to why Jesus had this human nature. The Bible says so that he can feel the feelings of our infirmities. He was tempted as we are in all points, yet without sin. You read about that in Matthew chapter 4, as Satan takes Jesus up to the mountaintop and offers him three different times various sins. And Jesus says back, It is written, it is written, it is written. So Jesus was fully human. Jesus possessed full range of human motions and a char- and characteristics. He was like us physically. He possessed a human body. He was born of a woman like we are. And so his body grew tired like ours did. His body was subject to needing food and water and sleep. He was a human mentally. He possessed a human mind. Luke says that he increased in wisdom And so he learned the same way other children of his day would have. In fact, from a very young age, he would have started going to the temple to learn the Old Testament and to learn the Pentateuch. And so he was mentally like us in a certain aspect. Jesus grew and increased in wisdom. He learned the same way that a lot of children his day would have learned. So he was mentally He was also emotionally human. Jesus' soul was troubled at times. Jesus wept in the garden. He also wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. Jesus would have laughed, and Jesus would have smiled. And so Jesus was emotionally human. He was also outwardly human. That means that Jesus' humanity was plain to see. He looked like the other humans. So why should we emphasize Jesus' humanity And his divinity, because it means that Jesus can fully identify with us. He is not unlike us, trying to do something for us. Jesus is truly our representative. He is like us to save us, just like mankind appointed Adam uh, in the garden to be our representative and he messed up. Jesus is the second Adam. He represents us, but he represents the sinlessness that we should be so that then he can pay for our sins and offer us the free gift of salvation. He's familiar with your suffering. So the heartache, the pain, the sorrow, the tears, the loss, he knows and can feel what you're going through, because he humbled himself to be like us. So to look at this question, could Jesus have sinned? In our human nature, we have the desire to sin. However, Scripture teaches us that the desire to sin is passed down from father to father. So tracing the sin nature goes all the way back to Adam, from our fathers all the way back to Adam. However, what is unique about Jesus's birth as he was not conceived by a human father like we are. Verses 18 and 20 says very clearly, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, meaning he receives his human nature from his mother solely, but he receives his divine nature from the Holy Spirit as he already is God. But as he was born, the Holy Spirit conceived that baby in Mary's womb. And so here is where he differs from us. He had commands over nature. In Matthew chapter 8, he rebuked the winds and the storms and it stopped. Only God can possess control over nature. He has authority over sin. He never sinned. He can forgive sin. When he healed the paralytic man, he first dealt with his sins. He said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Then take thy bed and walk. He has control over death. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He himself was, was risen from the dead. So Jesus is fully able to identify with us in his humanity, but Jesus also fully identifies with God in his divinity because he is God. He told the disciples that if they looked at him, they had looked at the father, they had seen God. So Jesus, fully God, yet fully man. He was born as a baby, yet he sustains the entire universe. He was 33 years old when he died, yet he's existed eternally. He grew tired, yet he was omnipotent. He died, but yet he conquered death for all. He has returned to heaven, and he's present with us now. So imagine that. The baby that was born 2,000 years ago, that, not, that was not his initial creation. He was never created. The baby that was born was the one that spoke everything into existence 6,000 years ago, John chapter 1 teaches us. So could Jesus have sinned? No. I don't believe so. Though he possesses human nature, he is divine at the same time. Holy, perfect, the word we use to describe this in the Bible in biblical doctrine is impeccable. Jesus could not have sinned, I do not believe, because he was and is impeccable. So that is the conception of his birth. Thirdly, let's notice the mission of his birth. Verses 21 and 22. And she shall bring forth a son... And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Notice this. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the, of the Lord by the prophet saying. So this son that she is about to have, he will be called Jesus. And his mission, here's a simple mission, to save his people from their sins. This name that was given, it was a common name, but it means God our Savior or God who is salvation. No more appropriate name could have been given for this child because then Matthew lays out the mission for Jesus in that verse. He says, he will save the world. He will save his people from their sins. I love that song, Mary, Did You Know? That song explains the depths of the doctrine of Christology beautifully and simply. However, there's one line in that song that I just love. The son that you will deliver will soon deliver you. So true. One day her son that she is about to deliver would die upon a cross, be buried, and three days later rise again to take away her sins. So we do not need to go into great detail here. But for us to go to heaven, we needed a sinless substitute. One that was like us, that could conquer sin and death for us. Then exchange with us his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he, God the Father, hath made him, Jesus the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, if it were not for Jesus being fully man and fully God, He could not have taken away our sins. And because of who he was and what he accomplished, he takes away our sins. He doesn't just cover them or look past them. He takes them away for eternity. So what was the mission? What's the reason we celebrate Christmas? Because Jesus was born not just to die. He was born to take away every sin that we would ever commit if we'll by faith believe in his sacrifice. Then lastly, We see the promise of his birth. Really quickly, verse 23, it says this, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. I love this. Matthew says that Jesus is given a name. Now, there's many names given to Jesus throughout the New Testament. But here in Matthew chapter 1, he's called Jesus, but he's also called Emmanuel. And this, again, is fulfillment of prophecy. Isaiah chapter 7 said that he would be born in Bethlehem and he will be given this name, Emmanuel. But in this name, given to Jesus is such encouragement. Matthew said, it is being interpreted, God is with us. One of the promises in scripture that we forget about day to day, even not at Christmas time, is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Many times throughout our life, even here in the holidays, many of you, the holidays brings a certain amount of grief and loss and heartache, but there's a promise wrapped up. There's many promises wrapped up in the Christmas story, but one of those is that, friend, if you're a believer in Jesus, you might have lost a loved one, but he's still with you. He's with you in the valley. He's with you on the mountaintop. He's with you at your highest highs and your lowest lows, Matthew says, God is with us. And I love how Matthew starts his gospel and ends his gospel. Because he starts by saying here in chapter 1, verse 23, God is with us. But he ends his gospel in Matthew chapter 28 with the Great Commission by saying what? God is with us. And he ends in Matthew chapter 28 by saying, And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So the truth here for the believer No matter where you find yourself this Christmas season, no matter where you find yourself in the year 2023, if you're a believer in Jesus, here's the promise. God is with you. Everywhere you go, everything you do, he's with you. And friend, that is great comfort to know that in my despair, in my pain, in my heartache, in my loss, he's there. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The promise that once The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He would never ever leave us. And so friend, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I hope you celebrate with your family. And I hope you take some time with your family and also in your quiet time to reflect on Jesus, who he is, what he accomplished and reflect on the story of Christmas. You're off work, your kids are off of school. Yes, to observe a holiday, but what is the holiday? The holiday is Jesus. And so make sure you're in church on that Sunday, you're worshiping with your family, you're celebrating the birth of Jesus, because, because of His birth, He went to a cross to give us the free gift of eternal life. And friend, never let us get over that. Not December, not March, not any time throughout the year. Let us never get over the fact that Jesus was born to die for us. So let's rejoice, let's praise His great name, let's thank on Him this Christmas season. As always, have a great Friday and God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.